Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey everybody, my name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors at Branch Life. And no matter where you are today, whether you're watching online or you're streaming in your car as you drive, we just want to say thank you for engaging with today's message. We hope that no matter where you are in life, it will be an encouragement to you and that it will cause you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We also want to challenge you and say don't leave today without taking the next step that you need to take in your faith journey. One of the ways that we can help you with that is if you go to branchlife.church, you'll find steps there on how to take that next step for you. Again, we're thankful that you've engaged with us today, and we hope that we'll see you in the weeks to come. Hey everybody, Josh Park here. Thanks for joining us for worship today here at Branch Life Church. We hope that today will help you in your spiritual journey and encourage you a little bit. I'm standing next to this rock wall because I was thinking about going for a climb. And as I got ready to go on this very dangerous climb, I looked and I had a thought. I said to myself, I wonder if these will hold me. I mean, I wonder if these footholds and these handholds are strong enough to hold my weight or if when I grab onto them and start to climb, if they're just gonna fail and if I'm gonna fall. I, I don't think in this situation it would be a big deal if one of these didn't work. But imagine if I was on top of a cliff, maybe El, El Capitan down in Yosemite Park, and I was hundreds of feet off the air, and I was getting ready to put my foot into a foothold or grab onto a grip just to have that grip fail, and I would slip and fall. What is going through my mind and the emotions that I'm feeling in this moment is called doubt. And we all face doubt. Doubt can be destructive or doubt can be healthy. And the Bible has a very balanced view on doubt. But when it comes to important things like what we actually put our life into, where we put our faith, what we think about eternity, life and death and forever and heaven and hell, we can have doubt about those things. And we should. I've been talking over the years as a pastor to so many people who struggle with faith, some who have been saved and followers of Jesus for a long time, some who have rejected faith in God, they have no belief and no faith, and others who are somewhere in between. We often hear people say, how can you be 100% sure? How can you be certain that Jesus saved or that Jesus rose again from the dead? You know what those questions simply are? They're doubts. So today we're going to look at Psalm 73 and it's going to talk to us about how to process doubt and, and how doubt can be something that causes us to have a stronger faith. Let me just say this, truth is not afraid of doubt. Doubt leads to questions and questions are good things. And so we're going to wrestle through doubt today and hopefully you'll find this to be an encouragement. So stick with us and join in, lean in as we look at Psalm 73, and we're titling this Psalm, Doubt It. 
Hey, if you have your Bibles, we're jumping back into our Psalm series because in these Psalms, as we've been looking at them throughout the summer, we know that we can find every emotion and we can find ourselves represented in these beautiful songs, these beautiful paintings, uh, these beautiful works of art. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, excuse me, Psalm 73, and the Psalm is going to relate to us in talking about doubt. So today we're going to tackle doubt. Have you ever doubted your faith? Have you ever doubted your belief system? Uh, there is a, a, an epidemic of doubt out there right now with everything. People are doubting science. People are doubting the media. People are doubting politics. We are actually professional doubters. We like to put on our skeptic glasses and look through those lenses. And we wrestle with doubt in every area of life. And it is no different about faith. Faith is an area where we wrestle with doubt on a regular basis. And today we're going to look at what to do with doubt. And, and how does this song, Psalm 23, help us understand and process doubt? It even is going to help us pray our doubts. So as we lean into this psalm, we hope that it'll be an encouragement to you. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, maybe you're someone who's close to God, maybe you're someone who is exploring faith from God, and maybe you're someone who has rejected the idea of God altogether. You'll find something in here. You'll find yourself in this psalm, Psalm 73. So as we look at Psalm 73, let's give it the painting a title. We're going to call it Doubt It. Psalm 73 is, is a process of going through doubts, specifically doubts about faith and trying to, to understand what doubt causes us to do and ultimately where we can end up after we've wrestled with our doubts. At Branch Life Church, we like to say that doubters are welcome. We encourage doubt. We encourage questions. We ex encourage exploring faith. And we always want to be a church where doubters are welcome, where it's a safe place to ask questions, where it's a safe place to challenge ideas and explore new ideas, where it's a safe place to look into God's word and be skeptical and to kind of ask what, where, when, why, and how all this stuff works. Because we believe at Branch Life Church that truth is not scared of questions. We believe that if we hold the truth, it'll withstand the tests. It'll, it'll, it'll pass uh, the, the exams that we will put before it. We believe that truth will ultimately win the day. And so let's challenge it. Let's, let's explore it. Let's question it. And let's bring these doubts to God, where God encourages us to explore our faith. So doubters are welcome. And in Psalm 73, we meet one of the Bible's famous doubters. In Psalm 73, we see this in the opening of the psalm. It says, truly God is good to Israel. This is someone who had faith in God. This is someone who believed in God and said, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But then we see doubt enter the picture. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of of the wicked. You know, this person who had faith was wrestling with doubt so much so that he almost slipped. He almost fell away from his faith. He almost rejected a belief in God. It was close. And this Psalm is going to explore how to deal with doubt. Now doubt comes into people's minds and thoughts for a variety of reasons. 
There's lots of different things that cause us to doubt. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But when we are going through this man's story, understand this. He, he was beginning to doubt because he saw that the wicked were prospering. He saw that people uh, who were doing bad were actually seeing good things happen to them. And he wondered, how could there be a God if there's all this evil and injustice in the world? You know, when I was young, I often thought, why did this guy, Hugh Hefner, the guy that had the Playboy Mansion, why did he get a mansion? Why, why did he get to hang out in his pajamas all day? Isn't what he was putting out there evil? Wasn't he uh, abusive towards women? And wasn't what he was doing destroying relationships and marriages? And wouldn't God look down on that and say, nope, that guy needs to be punished? Instead, he lived to a ripe old age with millions and millions of dollars. The wicked were perishing. How can there be a God when evil is allowed to prosper in this world? That is what this doubter wrestled with. As we look at these first three verses, let's just understand for a second what we see in doubt. Number one, we all have doubts. This famous doubter in Psalm 73, the author of the Psalms, names Asaph. And what you need to know about Asaph is he's a writer of scripture. He's He's someone who has written God's word. And that's, that's something I'm never going to do. That's something you're never going to do. Yet, even a writer of scripture had doubts about his faith. Doubts are everywhere. Uh, we doubt all kinds of things for all kinds of reasons. And if you don't wrestle with doubt, you're not a normal person. People wrestle with doubts on a regular basis and you're going to go through seasons, you're going to go through chapters, you're going to go through events where doubts are going to enter into your thought process. Doubts are a normal part of growth. And three, doubts can strengthen your faith. We don't have to be scared of doubts. We don't have to be threatened by doubts. We don't have to be upset, upset when doubts come into our hearts, our minds, or into the hearts and minds of our loved ones. But we know that we can use and see these doubts cause us to strengthen our faith. A lot of what we're going to talk about uh, was brought into my realm of thinking through an incredible sermon that I heard by Tim Keller. He spoke it in July of 2020 on Psalm 73. He talked about uh, the condition and the cure that we have. The condition is that we are people filled with doubt and the cure is found here in Psalm 73. And so though we all wrestle with doubt and though doubts can be scary and doubts can challenge our thinking, we need to understand that in the end, God works all things together for good to those that love him. We need to understand that strength and questioning of the truth can lead us to a firmer, deeper faith in God. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, ask those hard questions and seek out those answers. Francis Bacon, a famous educator in a 400-year-old book said this, when we start with certainty, we end with doubt. And when we start with doubt, we end with certainty. This is true of any kind of learning. If you just take the teacher's word for it as gospel and you just say, hey, he said it, therefore I believe it, then when that is challenged, you will, you will doubt it because you just took something at face value without truly deeply understanding what it is that you were being presented with. But if we start with doubt and then we go and build from there, where we will end up is certainty. 
we will now understand the argument. We're going to understand the pros and cons and the different points of view. And we will have processed through it so that when we come to a conclusion, when we land on truth, we will land on it with certainty. This is why there are so many challenges uh, for those that grow up in faith or grow up in religious systems. They're told from a very young age what to believe. And a lot of times they don't make their faith their own. They are just taking their father's faith or their grandfather's faith. And they're trying to, to move forward with a borrowed truth. And when that truth is challenged, when others come at it and they, they, they start to ask the hard questions, then they land in a season of doubt. But when we start with questions and we start with doubt, we can then build from there a strong tower of faith founded in the roots of truth. So doubt is not something to be scared of. Doubt can be something that has, creates very positive momentum in our lives, in our days. And scripture, all throughout scripture, it gives us example after example of how doubt can be turned into deep faith and also how doubt can be dangerous if we allow it to erode truth in the wrong way. So there are right and wrong ways to deal with doubt. And in Psalm 73, we're going to look at four ways to deal with doubt. We're going to look at the cure for doubt. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to you today. So let's dive right in. And we're going to jump around Psalm 73. I encourage you to look at the whole book when you have time. The first thing that we want to understand and do to cure doubt is number one, we want to doubt the doubts. I want to encourage you to doubt the doubts. Now, anytime that you are challenged with a doubt, anytime that something comes in and you start saying, hey, yeah, this is this feels funny. This this doesn't seem right. This is this is crazy. I want you immediately to doubt the doubt. Now, here's what Psalm 73 verses 16 and 17 says. As as Asaph worked through his problem of injustice and wickedness in the world, he ultimately landed in this spot. But when I thought how to understand this, how to understand this doubt, how to understand this challenge, it seemed to me to be a wearisome task. How am I going to figure this out? This is, seems to be too big of a bite for me to chew on. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and we're going to talk about it in a second, then I discerned therein. You need to understand that the doubt, though it caused him to question his faith, did not rock him off of his faith. He almost slipped, he almost fell, but before he got there, he doubted the doubt. He took time to know how to understand it. He took time to discern it and to figure out its end. We want to take our time with doubts and we want to doubt the doubts. We want to challenge the doubt as much as the doubts are calling us to challenge our faith. And so as we go through this, this series, we say, hey, first, let me doubt the doubt. There are some extreme problems in this world. Hey, the challenge of evil and suffering is a huge problem. It's one that, that confronts us and the Bible says will confront us in Christianity. The existence of God or, or the non-existence of God is a challenge that we all have to face. Whether or not there is a heaven and a hell is a challenge that we all have to face. And we find ourselves doubting in any of these areas. Hey, let's doubt the doubt. Let's, let's explore further. Let's dig deeper and try to understand these great truths before we come to any kind of life-changing conclusions. Take time to doubt the doubt and explore it. The second thing we want to talk about is worship 
during doubt. I want to encourage you to worship during doubt. Whenever you enter into a season of doubt or when questions start coming into your mind, it is extremely important that you continue to worship in that season. In Psalm 73, 16, right in the middle of his thinking, he said, hey, it was when I went into the sanctuary of God, I was able to discern truth. You know, this worship, this idea of worship is extremely important as you wrestle with doubts. And let me explain why. Doubts are often emotional experiences pretending to be intellectual challenges. Let me say that again and unpack it for you. Doubts are often emotional experiences pretending to be intellectual challenges. A lot of time we think that doubt is just an academic exercise. It's a debate that happens in a professorial setting and, and it's an intellectual challenge to truth. When the reality is doubt is almost always an emotional experience or an emotional challenge. You see, Asaph wasn't wrestling with slipping away from his faith because he was having an intellectual crisis. He wrestled from slipping away from his faith because he was having an emotional crisis. He was experienced injustice. If you read through the Psalm, you see that he was the good guy that was experiencing unfair things. You know, we, we see songs about this all the time. Only the good die young. Why does it seem that the good people finish, always finish last, right? That's the challenge that Asaph was feeling. And he was feeling slighted while those that were wicked or those that were cheating were getting ahead, were getting more money. And he was feeling the sense that this wasn't fair. Why was this happening to him? And all of a sudden, what he knew to be true was challenged because of what he was experiencing. You know, you might be someone who has faith and you understand logically that when suffering enters into the world, it's easy to say, no, God is bigger than us. He's stronger than us. He's wiser than us. He has a better perspective than us. He has a deeper understanding of suffering and evil. And so I'm just going to trust God until it happens to you. Until you're the one with the diagnosis or your loved one passes away in the accident or you're the one directly facing the pandemic. And then when it happens to you, the doubt creeps in. It's often an emotional experience that causes us to doubt. And so it's only fair that we use emotion to fight emotion. And when you enter into the sanctuary of God, when you go into the house of the Lord, what that is teaching us to do is it's teaching us to go into a posture of worship and worship is ultimately an emotional experience. We experience God when we sing together, when we worship together, when we pray together. We interact with God and we connect with God on an emotional level and we fight emotion with emotion. We allow ourselves to feel the presence of God, to feel the community of faith around us. And that strengthens us in these moments. If I'm doubting, should I pray? Absolutely. If I'm doubting, should I sing? Yes. If I'm doubting, should I enter into the house of God and join together in worship with the church? You must. Because only then is it a fair fight. I can't tell you how many times as I've been struggling with with a, a trial or a hurt or turmoil or doubt and singing a song, singing a song together in public just reinforced my faith. You know, as we go through this time right now, there's a song that keeps popping into the radio, keeps popping into my worship time and it's the song, Is, Is He Worthy? 
And, and do, we, do we feel like there's evil in this world? Do we feel like that this world is even more broken than it's ever been? Yes. But is God still worthy? Yes. Yes, he is. And my worship points me back to my faith. Because often, it's not an intellectual battle that we're facing. It's an emotional battle. In Psalm 84, the same psalmist who wrote Psalm 73 says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul long, yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord, and my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. This idea of entering the presence of God, of coming together to worship God, is better is a better day than thousands of days apart from God. During this pandemic season, we have a significant challenge to the gathering together of the saints for worship. It is very difficult to have an emotional worship experience on the other end of a screen. And for many of us, for safety reasons, that's where we have been worshiping during this season. One family unit at a time in front of a screen. And this can be a danger when it comes to doubt. This can be a danger when it comes to spiritual health because there's a reason that we get to gather and are told to gather together as saints in physical body presence with other people. So during this season, whatever is most appropriate for you for worship, be intentional in your worship experience. When you can gather with the body of believers and do what you can to be experiencing God's worship and love. So in this season, we may have to make sacrifices. We may have to be uncomfortable, but while we are also being safe, let's do what we can to worship together. And in those moments that we must worship apart in the screen, make sure that we do certain things to engage in worship, to connect in worship, and to be intentional in connecting with other people as we worship God. It's so important for our spiritual health that we enter into the sanctuary of God and that we worship together. We want to take a moment and just reinforce this song by thinking of this song in, in lyrical terms as we sing together about, about gathering as one body in one place. Better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. How lovely your dwelling place, O oh Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied. Thousands elsewhere.
Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day. Better is one day. Better is one day than thousands elsewhere. As we continue traveling on, looking at four ways to deal with doubt, the third way that we deal with doubt God's way is simply comparing footholds. You know, the, the emotional battle is waged as we enter into the sanctuary of God and we fight emotion with emotion, but we also must take some time to compare the footholds, to understand the arguments, to know what we are resting on and putting our confidence in. You know, as we said earlier, it's an emotional experience that often causes us to doubt, but there is an intellectual component that's also present in these times. In Psalm 73, verses 2, and then in verse 18, uh, the psalmist talks about doubt in the using the picture of a foothold. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. He was, he was on the rock wall and he was finding that his foothold was getting close to giving out. And in 18, he looks at the other options. He says, truly, you set them in a slippery place and you make them to fall into ruin. You know, doubts are an emotional experience, but they, they often are masked as an intellectual challenge. Look at the arguments. Look at the options that you have when it comes to doubting and weigh and compare the footholds. And where are the stronger places to set your feet? Is it, is it a stronger place to set your feet in a belief in God? Or is it stronger to set your feet in a belief that there is no God? Is there life after death or is there no life after death? Is there a creator of this universe or are we here by chance? Which one is the stronger foothold? Compare these footholds and try to understand the argument. And, and here's what we're going to find. We're going to find that faith is reasonable. We're going to find that faith is logical. We as Jesus followers do not follow a blind or illogical faith. We follow a faith that makes sense. And I would even argue has a stronger foothold than any other system out there. Because if it's true, it's going to have the ultimate foothold. But what comparing footholds will show you is that every argument out there, there is some degree of shaky ground. Every argument, every way of thinking, there's, there is some fault that can be found in that logic or in that argument. And you have to ultimately determine that what you believe, you will believe by faith. After all, faith is being certain of what we do not see. So 
where is the strongest foothold? And as I compare my options, what should I hang on to? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, Men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, for what can be known about God is plain to them. One of the th serious threats that we have in faith is this threat of suppressing of truth, of covering up what we know to be true. And I would argue that every single one of us already knows that the existence of God is true. It's plain and it's obvious. As we look at the buildings that are out there, we would know just by the existence of those buildings that there was a builder. When I sing a song, I know by the existence of that song that there's a composer. When I see a painting, I know by the, just the very existence of that painting that there is a painter. And when I look at this creation around me, it is safe to assume that this creation exists because of a creator. It's, it's obvious. Now, if I want to reject that, if I want to suppress that obvious understanding, then that means I have to place my foot or my faith in a different foothold. Is there a stronger place for me to stand than a belief in a creator of this incredibly complex universe? If I want to try to wrestle through the idea of suffering or injustice or evil in this world, and if I want to reject the idea that there is a good, great, loving God, then how can I even acknowledge that evil exists? Because if there is no God, then there is no right and wrong. If there is no good, there is no evil. And if I want to reject God, then I must embrace evil as something that is permissible in this world. Is that where I want to put my foothold? Is that where I want to stand on? Is that the most solid ground for me? Or do I want to put my foothold in the faith of a good, great, loving God who in his sovereign will has allowed for the presence of evil for some purpose that I may not yet understand? And a God who promises to walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. Compare footholds when doubt comes in to your life. And fourth and finally, I want to encourage you as you deal with doubt to feel God's hand. You know, as Tim Keller talks through these points, these, these four things of cure, he talks about feeling for God's hand. And, and as we feel for God's hand, we will be able to grasp on to this amazing truth, whether doubts are present or not. In Psalm 73, verse 23, it says, or nevertheless, no matter my challenge, no matter my faults, no matter who I am, no matter how many doubts I have, no matter how many times I revisit those doubts, no matter my actions, no matter my regrets, nevertheless, I am continually with you, God says. You hold my right hand and you guide me with your counsel. You know, the question here is not whether or not God's hand is present. It's whether or not you feel it. It's not whether or not God is with you. It's whether or not you recognize God's presence. You know, over the course of the last 30 days, as we have been involved in helping the families from Ashwood, uh, the over 45 families who lost everything in an incredibly difficult fire, we have seen God's hand and God's presence in many ways. And we've talked about it through this series, whether it's 
seeing the cross literally in the fire, whether it's seeing the community come together and love their neighbor in some spectacular ways over the course of this last month, or even seeing God provide for little needs and little ones along the way. There have been moments where we have been able to witness God moving and God working, and there's no other explanation for those moments other than God was present. God is present, and God is working in our lives. When, when we have doubts, when we, when we travel through the season of doubt, and we go through these four steps, we doubt the doubts, we enter into the sanctuary of God, and we, we feel His presence, we worship with Him, when we compare footholds and try to kind of do our best to understand what's happening before us. What we ultimately get to do is we get to reach out and feel God's hand. You know, in the Bible, there's story after story of people wrestling with doubts and falling on one side of a conclusion and another. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had two doubters on either side of him, two thieves that had lived lives that that uh, were worthy of death. They found themselves hanging on the cross. And, and each of these thieves saw the same thing. They experienced the same moments. They were in the same presence of Jesus. And one thief rejected God. He ultimately rejected Jesus as God and the other accepted God. The other saw Jesus for who he was and in faith invited Jesus into his life. And, and ultimately he got salvation because his faith led him to a relationship with Jesus in that same moment. And every single one of the people that interacted with Jesus had to come to a conclusion about who Jesus was. Well, the most famous doubter in all the Bible is a man named Thomas. And Thomas is one of the 12 disciples who traveled with Jesus, who saw Jesus do miracles. He saw people raised from the dead. He saw Jesus calm the storms. And, and Thomas was present through every step of Jesus's ministry. If there was anybody that would have faith that Jesus was who he said he was, it should be Thomas, right? But Thomas was also present when Jesus died. He knew that Jesus died on the cross and all of a sudden his teacher was dead and buried and put into tomb. But three days later, a stirring happened. And the other disciples started to say that Jesus had rose from the dead and that, that he was back to life. And Thomas, who had seen everything, doubted. Because how can someone raise from the dead? How can someone who, who was dead and, and I saw him, he, he had, his nails were, were pierced and his, his back was split open. There was a crown of thorns on his head. He breathed his last. He was placed in a tomb. There's no way that Jesus is alive, Thomas would say. And the disciples said, no, no, Thomas, he's alive. Trust us, believe us. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it until I see the, 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 nails, the nail scars in his hands and feet, and I feel them for myself. In John chapter 20, Jesus walks literally through the wall into the presence of the disciples where Thomas was. And he looks at Thomas, and many people believe that Jesus rebukes Thomas in this moment for doubting. And I don't, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think Jesus is saying, Thomas, you shouldn't doubt. I think he's saying, Thomas, I have the answer for your doubts. Because in that moment, Jesus reaches out his nail-pierced hands and he allows Thomas to see them and to feel them. You see, Thomas felt the hands of God. And in that moment, Thomas utters four words, five words, that is the most powerful expression of faith 
in all of the Gospels. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Thomas is all in. No other disciple uses this expression in this way. No other person in the gospel expresses this kind of faith. So where does the deepest, most meaningful expression of faith come from? It comes from the person who doubted the most. You see, Thomas took Jesus to be his Lord. He took Jesus to be the ruler of his life, the director of his days, and the God of the universe, the one who is sovereign over all things. Thomas is the one who proclaims my Lord and my God. And then Thomas is the one who goes and gives the rest of his life to Jesus. Thomas serves Jesus for the rest of his days, preaches Jesus as Lord and Savior to the, to the people all around the world, and ultimately gives up his own life. For Jesus, who rose again from the dead. Thomas is why so many of us have a deep faith in Jesus. Not as a man, not as a teacher, but as God himself. You know, God saves even the, the most skeptical doubter. God regenerates the person who is most unworthy. And no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, God can reach out his hand to you and he asks you to feel it. He asks you to see his hand present in your life and he asks you to accept him as Savior and as Lord. To be able to say to him, my Lord and my God, have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And you may be saying, I, 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 I've done too many bad things. God could never love me. God would never want to save me. And I, I want to tell you right now that God loves to save sinners like you and like me. And nevertheless, no matter what your story is, no matter how many times you've rejected God, no matter how many times you've argued against God, today you can come to God in faith and you can take his hand and you can become a part of the family of God. As you have compared footholds, as you've wrestled through doubts, as you have experienced God in worship today, I want to invite you into a deeper personal relationship with God. Would you simply accept the Lord as your personal Savior in this moment, in this time? If you're watching online today, there's a gospel tab and a, and a response card that are being offered in the chat section next to you. Whether you're watching this live or the rebroadcast, we want to encourage you to explore your faith by clicking on that gospel tab. And if you have decided to become a follower of Jesus, would you let us know in that response card? Would you let us know that you have decided to be all in and to put your faith in Jesus, to put your feet squarely in faith with who God is. That doesn't mean you're never going to wrestle with doubts. That doesn't mean you're going to have all the answers in the in the in 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 this moment, but it does mean that you have committed yourself to be a follower of God, to say, "My Lord and my God." In this moment, would you simply have a conversation with God and say, "Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that he rose again from the dead, and I want to I want to accept the free gift of salvation. I want to become a follower of Jesus." And if you're somebody who has today prayed that prayer and decided to become a follower of Jesus, please indicate in that response card that you did. We would love to celebrate with you. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you've not yet been baptized, we want you to click on the baptized link that's being shared. 
We want you to fill out the, your salvation story and let us know when you are ready to get baptized. And as soon as it's possible, we will celebrate your baptism. Whether today's the day of your salvation or you've been saved for five years or 50 years and you haven't yet been baptized, we want to celebrate your baptism with you. We want to worship in that way. And Christian, as you wrestle with doubt, know that everybody does. And that doubt can be used by God to strengthen your faith. As you go through this process, as you read this psalm, be encouraged that there is a cure for doubt. And that cure is simply four steps. Doubt the doubt. You know, don't, don't let the doubt be the thing that rocks your world. Enter into the sanctuary and worship through the doubt. Compare footholds and then feel for God's hand and let him lead you through this season. Let's pray together. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we pray that at Branch Life Church, we will always be a church that, that where doubters are welcome. And God, will you take those doubts and will you use them in our lives and the lives of our loved ones and the lives of the people that we share Christ with to bring them to a deeper, richer, and stronger faith. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to keep connecting with us. And in just a moment, Pastor Corey is going to tell you how you can do just that. We'll see you same place next week. Have a great rest of your day.